All right, it's the DT difference. It's 30 years experience in the game. DT systems. E-collars we've been using for a while now, but let's quickly talk about their dummy launchers. They got the Super Pro dummy launcher and the remote dummy launcher. It's a great way for you and your dog to get ready for duck season. Loud bangs, make sure your dog's cool with gunfire before you use it. But I want you to add it to your repertoire, bag of tricks, and get you and your dog ready for duck season. It's the Super Pro Dummy Launcher by DT. Hashtag man's best kennel, baby. That's Gunner Kennels. Man, let's talk about these crates because when it hits the fan, you want your dog protected. It's an investment emotionally and financially to keep your hunting buddy safe. If you'd like to get into a Gunner Kennel, slide into the DMs and we'll hook you up. But do your best friend a favor and keep them safe this duck season. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What do you call a sea duck hunter, a grill master, a fisher of men, decoy carver, and social media monster? You call him the pit boss. Kevin and I have got Captain Jeff Coates from Pit Boss Waterfowl on the phone. Jeff, how are you tonight? Good evening, guys. You, got, you just put a big smile on my face. I'm not sure that all that, uh, you know, the, I don't know about the monster part. And, uh, you know, truthfully and, and honestly, you can label me all kinds of things. I, I, I like to think of myself as a guy just like to have fun. So that's, that's, what, that's what life is about, and that's what uh, Karen and I are about, and that's what we try to do. So if you, want to, if you want to label it those things, that's great, and I appreciate that. But we just really, you know, always have a goofy smile on my face, and we just like to have fun. That's what, that's what it's all about. Kevin and I and two of our friends came down this past year, I think it was December, and we hunted with you. Uh, we had a riot. Um, so tell everybody real quick who you are, what you offer with the duck hunting and fishing and take it away. Thank you very much. I'm Jeff Coates. Uh, I am a U.S. Coast Guard license captain. Um, uh, I'm, I'm from originally from Havre Grace, Maryland. And I, and I basically have, in Maryland, have taken advantage of the special sea duck season. It's been 107 days since it's infancy in the 70s and this is going to be the third year the new reduced season to only 60 days so um just to kind of shorten it up on the front end and on the back end used to be open october 1st and the end of january and this year it's november 3rd to january 12th and um so i take advantage of that's kind of been my 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 uh my niche my niche uh my niche species my niche um you know, I always tell people that don't understand sea ducks or don't understand waterfowl. You can be from Ohio, Kentucky, or you know Texas, any any place, and you can be the most avid waterfowl hunter. You can shoot all your puddle ducks, and you shoot all your your uh, your geese. You can be an avid avid waterfowler. And if you want to, you truly want to target sea ducks, you got to go to the salt water. So you go to the east coast or the west coast. So over the years, you know, doing this full time since 1999, I've just been very uh, very fortunate that it's uh, something that's evolved and. Um, uh, I'm, I'm able to, to do it full time, so I'm, I feel very 
very blessed and very happy to do that. Fishing uh, with the reduced with the reduced under seven days, only sixty days. But I do hourly fishing here in Ocean City, and um, it kind of really as soon as uh, the month of February is pretty slow for us. So end of January, everything's done as far as waterfowl goes. Month of February is kind of slow, and then once the water starts to warm in, in March, uh, we call them rockfish in Maryland, but the striped bass. Uh, we do a lot of catch and release here on the on the ocean side. It's it's a, it's a big fish. It's a slot fish, but the keepers are very big fish, and uh, so we're we're uh, they have to be over 28 inch, and we usually uh, do real well with those like 20 to 24 inch fish. So nice nice light tackle catch and release. And as the summer goes on, we, we you know, Karen and I love to fish. Uh, we mahi is our favorite fish. So we try to target those once the waters warm up and get close enough to shore that we don't have to make a tremendous boat ride to get out there. Uh, I do a lot of light tackle shark fishing with families, and um, you know, over the years I've trained some dogs. I've kind of cycled through through all, all my labs right at the moment, and we're not really sure what the next chapter will be as far as Labradors go in our lives. But that's that's kind of cycled through. I've been, been uh, I'm rambling here, I know, but I've been very, <laughs> been very <laughs> You're all right, man. Have, have to, thank you. They have some very fine animals over the years. Yeah. And, uh, let's well, see I've... what else? What else? Um, good. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I I was just gonna say that I've followed you, man. Probably, if yeah, I would say I was probably eighteen or nineteen, and I'm thirty one ish, almost thirty two, I guess. Um, and you know, I remember watching you and Coot and Justin Tackett on Water Dog TV back in the day, and it was like. You know, I'd always known that this was going to be something I would do for a living. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. But I always knew that I wanted to be a part of the dog industry and loved animals, loved hunting and being outdoors. And it's evolved. But watching your story of Coot and Justin and Yella and that kind of helped maybe give me a little bit shot at a dream. And uh yeah, man. So if you don't mind, tell everybody about, you know, a couple of the dogs in your past and, and maybe highlight Coot and some of her her uh, great characteristics. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I, I got to tell you, I was watching, I love YouTube. I was watching a YouTube video this morning and kind of got a little teary just the uh, fact the pictures of Coot hanging in the in the mini war room, basically a walking closet. I keep computer junk and <laughs> do all my editing and that, and that kind of stuff in there, but I uh, got some pictures of her hanging and kind of just a life cycle of, you know, how we go through labs and, and you know, dogs that we've had. And the gentleman was a little bit older than me. I think he was maybe 10 years old, 10, 10, 12 years older than myself. And uh, he's, you know, saying he had had he had, had seven labs in his life and just had his eighth, and he hoped that that wasn't his last one. It just kind of brought back a lot of good memories. And, you know, Coop was probably just a nice, very well-bred, you know, field American field dog black female and um yeah, she's probably and she was not probably she was a much better dog than i was a handler for sure um but you know i learned i learned an awful lot from her and um i learned more from her than she taught me for sure i'm sorry that, that i taught her she taught me an awful lot and um but i'm getting a little sick of talking about it, i'm sorry <laughs> oh, man that's but, uh, what makes it special isn't it she's an awesome animal man i started uh you know i wanted a, a trained retriever to, to pick up ducks to pick up sea ducks and um She's a dog that I didn't. I hunted her a whole, a, a complete season, and hadn't hadn't forced fetched her until really the following spring. She was about 13 months old. Forced fetched her, and if she would have, and it was my fault, but if she would have, if she would have known how to honor her a little bit better than what she did, uh, she, she would have been a master hunter under two years old. And I think it was right about 26 months old 
um, you know, it was a kind of a quick year there. We run, we ran junior, got junior title, and I went and did senior master at the same time. And um, like I said, if she would have been a little bit better honorer, I'd have been a little harder on her, maybe a better trainer. You know, she would have, she would have had that title a little quicker. And then, uh, you know, Gunder, 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 she was a machine. Really just, you know, running down the gunnels of the boat and just couldn't get enough ducks. Love it. You know, in the, Ches- in the Chesapeake Bay and in the ocean, just, you know, nothing really, nothing really, uh, nothing really slowed her down. And then, um, I was fortunate to get her qualified all age in AKT field trials and actually uh, never got to run the last series. I got to run the water blind a couple times and, and probably just, um, again, you know, hunting was maybe a little detrimental to, to her being, you know, to her being what she could have been in a, in field trials. But, um, and, and again, I wasn't the best handler, but, um, just, just an awesome animal. And, um, you know, actually hunted her right up. Right, so I guess maybe just a little bit into her 13th season when the water was still warm in the beginning, and then um, basically she just you know she just showed out and, and uh, lived almost 15 years old. So wow, but, you know that's awesome. Awesome animal. I say I say awesome a lot, but she was a, she was a tremendous animal, and uh, you know I think about her often. Yeah. Now just to I'm going to do a quick uh, synopsis, I guess, of qualified all age because it is a huge accomplishment for Coot and yourself. Um, so in hunt test games, it's a pass fail and you've got an AKC junior, senior master. Um, and then there's AKC field trials and field trials is first through fourth place. And then a jam, which means the dog completed the, the trial, but didn't get a placement. And in order to be qualified all age, um, think of it as like a giant master test, white coats, retired guns, which means they throw a bird and the guy hides, 300 yard marks you know huge swims really technical and you've got to be either the best dog or the second best dog that day to become qualified all age so it's a huge accomplishment for anybody you know to to have a dog of that caliber and um and like kind of like you mentioned a hunting dog you know they man they're used to picking up ducks at 40 yards doing multiple birds you know that real hunt savvy type of attitude and then being able to go out there and step on 300 yard marks and beat a, a bunch of dogs that are also you know out there and maybe don't even hunt they just run trials it's that truly shows the dog's heart and skill set to be able to play both games really well yeah thank you man it does really kind of sum it up if, for people that you know are not familiar with with that and um i can say you know on land she had no issues she marked really well she did a nice land blind for me, and um, you know, just all age water water blinds were kind of her, you know, kind of her downfall. And that's like I said, I I, I, I completed the water blind, but I, I just never got to run the water mark. So, you know, you and generally you, you get a, you have your 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 land marks, you run the you run the land blind, hopefully you get called back. You run the water blind, which really trims down the field quickly, and then um, you know, last series is generally is, is the water marks. And like I said, I was fortunate. I've run the and the water blind a couple of times in an amateur with her, and um, but just uh, we never we never got called back to the to the march. But again, just um, gave me a lot of experience, and just it was it was something to do definitely in the off season, which just kind of kept us. You know, we trained real hard in the off season, and, and like when we hunted, I I never in in a, in a field goose hunting was a different scenario, but in the boat doing sea duck hunting, I never even put electric collar on her. Man, she just she just hung out. And, and back in the motor well and just waited, you know, waited to hear her name. And she was, she was, I, mean, I can't say she, she was flawless, but about 98% of the time, you know, she was, she was flawless. So, 
Um, that and I had a, a, a first cousin of hers, a dog named Diamond, mm-hmm. that um, is a big old female, big long legged. She, you know, thin. You know, she had no fat on her. She was a thin dog, but I mean, she was right around 82 pounds, and Ooh. had a lot of fun with her, doing uh, ran some derbies with her and, and hunt tests, and, and uh, I think I ran a couple qualifier, a couple, couple qualifying stakes with her. And um, I did breed. I bred Coop twice, and I kept a, a male from the first litter, Booger, and I kept a female, Bristol, from the second litter. And um, and in between all that, I had a little, real little female, uh, Hank McNeil from New Jersey, bred dog. Um, poacher, poacher, you know, is about 55 pounds, you know, soaking wet. So she was she was a neat little dog. Cool. And um, now before we get into our rapid, I guess. Oh, go ahead. Bed, I'm sorry. No, my bad. I, go ahead. No, I was just saying I get badly get them all in the end, but you know, just with all with all five of them, and just you know, cancer cancer seems to be what you know eventually eventually gets them. And yeah, but um, but anyway, like I said earlier, I'm not sure what our not sure what the, uh, the next chapter of of Labradors are in our life. Uh, but um, the the door you know, it's it's open, but there's there's nobody walking in right at the moment. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how see how see how it shakes out. I hear you. Um, real quick before we get into like some rapid fire fun questions, how did you come up with the name Booger? <sighs> I, I, really, I really have I really have to think it, it wasn't it was not original. It was a fellow from the Newburgh, New York area, Rex Bell. Oh my goodness! Yes. Uh, you, yeah, Rex. I used, to, I used to hang out with Rex a good bit with Ed Forey, and I, I'm pretty sure. But I remember him saying the name Booger, and I heard that name. And I was like, "Man, I didn't, it could be a female. I don't care. I'm using. I've never liked like, names that were like <laughs> gender specific, if you will." And I was like, uh, "One way or the other, I'm using that. I'm going to use that name." <laughs> so that was uh, we called him the Boogman Booger, but you know, everybody you know, heard him that one from me, and then everybody was right on board. They knew who Booger was. Yeah, that's so, uh, that's he, awesome. He man. was, yeah, he was just a real nice dog. Uh, I bred two to a, a Jenny Grassy uh, dog named Drive, Sally's Power Drive, mm-hmm. and um, Booger, was, Booger was kind of a spitting image of of Drive. He really you know, had really good looks to him. Nice, nice dog. Just you know, goofy as the day is long kind of thing, but sure. super, super nice dog. That's awesome. Yeah, man, hearing Rex's name brings back some fun yep. memories. When I was living in South Carolina, he was uh, he was there, and uh, honestly, it's. Uh, rest in peace he was just a cool guy to learn from and talk to and what a what a guy you know can i, can I tell you a quick rex story <laughs> yeah of course so rex it, it, jeff i'm trying to think who the other judge was it jeff brown was a good friend of his it was not jeff brown not another younger guy and i had seen him and i just can't remember his name but we were up 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 is it uh new Bern, new york yeah um uh, and it was actually it was it was going to be a, it was going to be a no it wasn't maybe no it was Stewart maybe it was Stuart. anyway it was in New York it was in New York there somewhere and the first series is is a, is a triple and you know he he, he trained I, I trained with him and Ed Ford like I said he knew Cootie he seemed to like her he liked you know Nick Rex always liked dogs that that had a lot of energy and she did and um, anyway the triple goes off and by the time they shoot the flyer I mean she she hasn't broke but I mean she's easily. 25 yards out in front. Like <laughs> the first mark goes off, she's maybe like five yards. And then the second mark goes off, and she's down to about 10 yards. And then the, the, the flyer goes off kind of like right in her face, and, and she didn't break. 
And and the other judge was like, you're done, man. And Rex was like, we're here, you're done, please. Yeah. All I had to do was say heel, and she came right back, and she went out, and she stepped on all the marks. And at the end of it all, they started, you know, they were discussing it. And, like, the guy's like, man, she's done. And, like, Rex was, she's not. And, and anyway, whether he did it because whatever, whatever reason he did it was poor was, it, it, did, it did teach me is, uh, that that is, that, that's what you want from a dog, man. I mean, I know, I know they need to be steady, and I know it wasn't quite the thing to do. But, like, I mean, she just wanted to do it so bad. And what I had to do, once he said I could re-heal her, I re-healed her. She came right back, sat down, lined her up, and she went bam, 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 and picked everything up. Beautiful. But, um, you know, whether he did it because he knew me, whether he did it because he knew Coot, or that's just what he'd like to see. You know, he, I know he wanted to see a dog that couldn't wait. Yeah. You know, wait, to, wait to retreat. And that, that was uh, that, that, that was her for sure. She, she did pass that day. That was a master test. But, again, she was she was a younger younger dog run master, and, he was very excitable for sure. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite Rex quotes was he was always, you know, we were training, you know, pretty much basic started hunting dogs and good old boy dogs and meat dogs. And he said, you know, these these dogs that you're training, Bob, they're kind of like a, a hunting knife. You know, they're multi-purpose. You might open a beer with them. You might turn a screw with it, but it's a knife. And he goes... I'm trying to train a razor blade. And he's like, I want that sucker precise. And I'll never forget it because, you know, he's just, the way he said things and the way he talked and the stories he told, it was uh, a lot of knowledge and memories that I, I will cherish. He was a cool guy. He really was. I, I spent, uh, well, you know, in this area, I spent a lot of time with him. But I did spend uh, three Februarys into the marches down at, uh, in uh, South Carolina there, um, and you know, spent a lot of time with him. One, you know, twice there, I guess we, we shared the same house. So I did did uh, I did get to experience a lot of Rex Bell. So he he, he is missed. And uh, Alex Abraham texted me one day that you know he had passed. And I think I told I think I told Alex that story about Hunt that story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Coop, Coop was you know Coop was way out there. She, you know, again, she didn't. I guess it's the definition of break. She you know she never she never made attempts to retreat, but she was definitely loose that morning. That's awesome. And, um, you know, like the other judges, like she's done, man. It's like Rex was like, no, please rehear your dog. That's awesome. Rehealed her, and she just went out and went bam, bam, bam. So, anyway. my man. All right, let's get into some rapid fire fun questions. Um, tell me, I'm curious, what is your go-to gun, waterfowl gun? Just got a new retake, twelve gauge. Uh, you know, inertial accident, but I really, 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 really like an old. 12-gauge funky that I've got. Matter of fact, I had my hands on it the other day, and there's a little bit of rust on the barrel. So maybe I think I need to get back. <laughs> you need to get some more on it. But um, if I guess if I had to pick one gun, I'll say that old funky 12-gauge over and under. What was the first gun you said? Uh, the, uh, a new company out, Retay, R-E-T-A-Y. Okay. Um, it, it's a inertial uh, you know, semi-auto, and uh, they're, they're super... Super sexy guns. I'm, I'm headed to uh, uh, Texas for Kia in the morning, and that's the gun I'm taking. I am taking the, the uh, semi-auto. All right, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that when we're done. Um, all right, okay. second okay. question: favorite waterfowl load, shot size. Like, what do you recommend, guys who are coming out or girls coming out to shoot ducks with you? What do you recommend? I'm all about the pattern, and I always say small shot, small shot, small shot. I'm taking number six with me tomorrow, so I, I'm. Your three inch number sixes. I, I'm I'm about the pattern on a deep. I, I I say it all the time when a deep wing bird is coming at you. I'm not talking about passion, but birds that truly are deep wing. If you're shooting within 30 yards, even 35 yards, small shot is the way to go. They can't fly through that pattern. 
Gotcha. Cool. My uh, opinion. My opinion. What is your favorite species to hunt if you could only kill one duck the rest of your life? Uh, I probably would want to go sh- go shoot brand. brand. All right. That would be probably what I'd want to go after. Jeff, it's Kevin. What makes Brant so special to you? Man, it's just a neat, just a neat little saltwater goose that they respond to decoys really well. They respond to the call really well. Very vocal. Um, they, they fly. They fly nice. Uh, the wings are kind of set back on their bodies. And um, and again, I just probably if I had the chance, you're, you're doing it in, in saltwater, very shallow water. And not to bring coot back into this, but in some of these shallow water spots, I mean. You sail a bird. It was, it was, they were even diamond. Diamond was an awesome brand, brand dog, but just you know, set up great for dogs to retrieve. Um, just, just the whole package, you know. And, and it's um, generally um, the, the birds that I carved and or someone else has hand carved them. I, I don't use anything. Everything is handmade in my brand rig, and um, that's just, you know, just it's brand. I would have to say, if I had to pick one bird. Cool. All right. I think I know the answer to this, but what is if? All right, so what's your favorite breed of dog? Gotta be a black lab. All Who right. Knows? Now, if you had to get something other than a lab, what what is like a bucket list breed? And it could be like a Mastiff to a Yorkie Terrier. What What's a bucket list breed that you've never had and you always thought would be cool? Well, I, I maybe this is not quite answering that question, but Karen rescued a, they say he's a boxer. But he sure looks like he's got a lot of American bully in him. But he's a he's a brindle brindle coated dog. He's just an awesome dog, and I uh, I would um, I would say something in the lines of of that that style American bully style you know boxer the American bully style mix something something in there. Oh Jeff, that you're man after my own heart. I used to have a an old English bulldog that was all brindle. She was great. Mm-hmm. Rest, rest in peace. Uh, what uh, what's your favorite game meal? One more time, I didn't hear that. Uh, your your favorite game meal? I would have to say I was just looking at the recipe today. Uh, uh, duck breast and a skewer with some vegetables and, and some hot sausage all done on the grill. I think that's probably um, that that or in, into like the uh, the brand and the goose the goose realm is uh, like kind of pulled, pulled uh, almost like you do pulled pork, but do like pulled pulled goose breast, pulled brain breast, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, I do that all the time in the crock pot. Mainly because I yep. don't like to cook too much, so you just throw it in there in the morning, and I can eat when yep. it's done. <laughs> yep, forget about it. Yep. All right, last rapid-fire question. This is the most important question. How how old is your beard? And you know, I, I had somebody ask me that the other day, and I really had <laughs> to think back. I, 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 so the, here's the deal on it. I used to, in the beginning of September... I would stop shaving and kind of let or I would still shave, but just kind of do the goatee, and I would let it go to about the end of March. So the West Lake decoy show, West Lake Ohio decoy show, and after that decoy show, you know, it starts to get a little bit warm, and I just thought, you know, I'm not, I can't handle it through the summer, so I'd shave it off. And I just, I, I can tell you this, I, I didn't, I did not mention this earlier, but uh, this will be my fourth season. This this, this coming year will be my fourth season of uh, being. Um, a regional host for Drake's Migration Nation. Sure. And, and I know that since I've started doing that, I, I really let the sides go. And so the last, you know, the last four years, I've kind of, kind of went away from the goatee and you kind of almost, I don't have, you know, not sidelines, but kind of let it get closer to my ears. So the last four years, I've kind of just let it kind of fill in and get, you know, get, get wild looking, I guess, or wilder looking. But, um, 
it, know, I, I truly don't know when I just totally stopped. It's totally definitely stopped, a signature so. beard. You know what I mean? If if someone were to give me a side profile and be like, this guy hunts, be like, I know who that is. <laughs> That's awesome, man. If I, if I had to say a year, I would say probably like, like 2000, 2005 or six. Very so good. Somewhere in there is probably when I, when I just let it you know, go all year long, I think. Cool, man. Cool. Um, it, that's a strong beard. Yeah, that thing's older than some of our <laughs> listeners, I bet. Um, I, I ran to, I ran to a couple guys over the weekend that had much stronger beards than mine, but uh, but thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Cool. Um, so Kevin's got a question written down here. Um, yep. Go ahead, Kev. Ask him. Yeah. So Jeff, I, I, when we got to hunt, I was really interested in your your decoys. Uh, it's incredible that you carved all the ones that we at least hunted over. I don't know if you always hunt over your own decoys, but to me, uh, when, when I was learning to, to call ducks, I always thought it was so cool that some people could call ducks and, uh, you know, really communicate with them. And, you know, that was a big reason as to why you were able to have a successful hunt. Right. And to me, it it seems like if you're going to carve your own decoys, it's like another layer on top of that. Uh, that you can just be proud of. Um, so, so if you were to give somebody advice on how they could get into decoy carving or, you know, maybe tell your own story of how you kind of got started or what was the spark that was like, you know, I should start decoy carving. Well, thank you, man. I do agree with it's just another layer. And it's, it's, I think I probably carved my very first bird in, in 19, well, I know I did it in 1994. Um, but it wasn't until about 1996 that I really tried to, you know, try to, uh, guess really try to make more than just single birds i'd make a single of this and a single of that and i you know i just um well the long story short is it, um, i was born in Havity grace the you know the self-proclaimed decoy capital world and each may first thing in may they have a big decoy show and they have they have some contests involved and they I, you know they have a rig contest which was six six birds at least two two have to be at least two have to be heads and um, I thought, well, this, and it was black ducks that year. So I was like, man, this, this will be great. This will be my excuse to actually have to carve you know, more than just one bird. So, um, my, and my black ducks are really, really rough looking. I, I, I still have, I, I think I still got two of them at least. Um, but they're just big and clunky and they're just, they're nasty looking. But, but that was like the, I guess my first really concerted effort of like, you know, black ducks. And I'm going to have to make at least six of them. And this, that'll keep me from stop trying to make one of this and one of that. And maybe I'll get a little consistency going on with the heads and the carving and the painting. And, you know, it just forced me to do six versus me just trying to do one of kind of thing. So that, that's really, I guess, that, that, that contest kind of propelled me into wanting to do, you know, to get, to get better. Especially there's some older fellows there that were carving and they kind of critiqued my stuff and, and gave me some advice. And they gave me some motivation from, from doing that show and, you know, doing that contest. And um, I guess you know, just kind of tried to refine and get better, you know, and, you know each each season. But I definitely, uh, probably ten or twelve years, I know that I did that did that that red contest um, at that Harry Race there, and, and um, you know, did, and then you had single had single bird contest there too. And and um, I've, I've been very fortunate over the years to, twice there. I I, I won in the singles. I won best of show, which you know, kind of kind of proud of that fact. But That's um, awesome. but yeah, decoys are just. It was just, it was almost like with dogs. It was just another, you know, it was just a, it just prolonged the season, if you will, right? So it's just, you know, it's, you can't hunt, but okay, decoys will get me in the spring, summer, and back into the fall that, that um, gets me back into, back into the season. Uh, made something that, you know, maybe I can sell a few of. 
um, give you know give a couple out as gifts, and also by the way, I've got you know got some birds that I can actually gun over myself. Cool. What do you make them out of? You know, either either hollow, hollow northern white cedar that we hollow out, and or uh, cork. And the cork, uh, I've been hollowing the cork out and put bottom boards on it. There was a company in Wilmington, Delaware called Wiley Cork, and the Wiley Cork company cork did not absorb one single piece of you know it absorbed no water so you never had to worry about your cork getting heavy and um you know it's just it was it was it was a dream it was a beautiful beautiful stuff to carve and um anyway they went out of business so today and they were the only they actually imported the cork from portugal and actually um kind of like the old play-doh uh, play-doh factory the extruders mm-hmm. you know they, they put all the, the ground work in and it, it and kind of extruded it right at the bottom, and it came out in whatever size they wanted it to come out. And um, I'll rewind for a second. Cork is actually tree bark, so it's a it's a tree that's in the oak family. And I can't tell exactly how long it does take them to grow, but they, they cut it off like the bottom part of the trunk, maybe anywhere from eight to twelve feet long, and they're basically just peeling the peeling the the bark off the tree. The cork is the bark, and then it, it grows back. I don't my thing. I can't tell you how quickly it does grow back. But they just have basically, I won't say orchards, but basically uh, court orchards of just trees lined up that they go in and just then take the bark off. And, and basically that's, you know, where where court does come from. It is, it's tree bark. Do they, well, do they, they grind it down into a pulp? And then do they grind it down into a pulp and then, like, form it? Well, that's yeah, why. they grind it down and then they, it gets, they call it density and it, it's, you know, pounds, pounds per cubic foot. What does it what does it weigh in a cubic foot? And um, so the de- you know the, the the smaller the smaller the cork the finer um, you know, the the more I guess uh, the, the less buoyed so the more solid the cork will be. But when you do that, then the cork becomes heavier. Um, but but the issue today is is that all the tan high density cork is imported from Portugal, and, and it does absorb water like a sponge. So part of my thought process was you know. When you hollow the cork out, you're making the bird lighter. Number one and number two, if it does get wet, it does get heavy. There's not as much cork to absorb the water, so you know decoys aren't becoming like you know 20 pounds each when if they do get heavy, do get wet. So, gotcha. um, but anyway, I've used northern white cedar that we we like to hollow out, and then I'll also use the high density tan cork. When you run your long lines, um, how many decoys? I can't honestly. I can't remember, but it, I was astounded by the lack of decoys you needed to decoy the sea ducks. Yes. So, the, so the lines that I was using, there was only there was only six birds on each line, and we only had three lines out. And, uh, but my normal size stoter or oversized, and I would tell you that these big birds that I have are about the same amount of material as, as three of my other birds, at least at least twice, you know, pushing three times. So those long lines that you saw where I had six birds, my smaller size birds, I would have had 12 birds on each line. So basically, you know, just kind of skipped every other every other one and I, I put the bigger birds. But it, it's all, with guiding, it's almost kind of like that thing, less is more. And especially when, you know, I kind of want everybody shooting at the same place or in the same direction. So I know there's guys that see that hunt that had decoys all around their boat and every which way. And, um, but again, but again, with, with guiding, not knowing who I have and, and just wanting everyone to be safe. And, and, and again, basically sitting and looking in the same direction, I, I just really, I've kind of settled on, you know, kind of the less is more. 
Cool, cool. And as you saw, I mean, there's some birds that, birds that don't want to decoy that fly past us, but, I mean, more than enough do decoy. I was going to say more more decoyed than didn't decoy. Yep. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, we'll circle back a little bit right now to the dogs. Um, do you remember your first hunt where you got to hunt with a dog? And could you kind of tell that story? Sure. I had, a, had actually I had an old topic female named Rocky and, and she was just more, more of my buddy. She went everywhere with me. She wasn't, and she'd go, she was more of an English dog. She was just a super nice animal. Um, you know, love, she'd, you know, play ball with you, that kind of stuff. <laughs> her, 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 her best attribute would actually be, you know, especially like, uh, hunting in a field, um, with some, when I, there was a good period here on the, in Maryland and in, in the Atlantic flyway where our Canada beef season was closed. Um, and, and during that, during that, that stint, the snow, snow geese was always open. It was a four bird limit. So we, we did try to target snow geese quite a bit. And, um, I have to say, you know, sadly, or, or I have a smile on my face, but Rocky's claim to fame was she was really good at retrieving your hat when it blew off. So, <laughs> <laughs> on, a windy, on a windy day in the field, your hat blew off. She'd be happy to go pick up. She'd be happy to go pick up your hat. You know, birds. Yeah, she was interested in it, but she was just more like she just. She, I'll say she was the the, the uh, you know the the air quotes uh, you know couch potato, but you know that's she was just. She was a nice animal, like to hang out, basically. But she was good. she was good about going and getting getting hats for you. <laughs> That's funny. Our first dog, his name was Nelson. He was a chocolate lab too, and we were probably eight, nine, ten years old, running around playing in the snow. And he would tackle us, rip our like winter hats off, and then run away. And my dad would be yelling and you know get back, and he didn't listen for anything. I mean, you'd have to, you'd, we'd be the family driving around the neighborhood. Like, you want to go for a ride, buddy? Like, come on, pal, yep. come on back. And he's got the winter hat. Like, uh-uh, we got this. So that's hilarious. It must be a chocolate thing. It must be. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, uh, Kevin wants to know about that teal hunt. Yeah. I mean, I mean, legitimately, a little bit later now because it was still kind of bright, but Karen and I were sitting down on the deck where I'm sitting right now, and I got a phone call, and, man, I, you know, I it says, I got this hunt lined up, and, you know, I really, you got to get here. It's going to be really good. You name some, some of the companies that were involved with it. It's, it, you know, an awesome lodge, you know. He just laid it on thick. He said, the only issue is, he's like, it's going to be really short notes. And I said, uh, well, you know, how short? He's like, uh, can you leave tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I just busted out laughing, and I, I actually answered him no. You know, because Karen's sitting here, and I just said no. He's like, oh, man, you know, it's, 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 she's kind of shaking her, her head yes. Like, you know, I was talking to speaker anyway, so she can hear what's going on. Sure. And um, she's like shaking her head, you you, you got to go. I was like, ah, you know, I, I got it wouldn't be responsible with me. I got a lot of stuff going on here I got to get done, and the seasons get closer, and, you know, on and on and on. We ended the conversation. Look, look, man, I'll think about it. Just if you can, just text me real quick the particulars again, and let let me get on. Let me get on and see. Um, real small airport here at Ocean City. American Airlines flies out. I said, let, let me see. You know, let me see what it's. You know, and that's what he said. He said all you need to do is have a plane ticket. Grab your gun and you need a plane ticket. But other than that, everything is going to be taken care of. And um, it sounds like an so easy I, answer I, to me. I, yeah. 
So a lot of talking last night and even this morning before Karen went to work, I even told her, you know, she's like, you got to go. You know, she said, this is your world. You got to go, 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 go. And, um, I was, you know, like, man, it's just, I think it's, I think it's, I use the word irresponsible. I think it's going to be irresponsible of me to, to leave right now. We, we just got back from Las Vegas, you know, on Monday, you know, flew out Sunday night from there, got home Monday. We were kind of, we were kind of wrecked Monday here, time-wise, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, last night I get the phone call. Like, I just don't think it's responsible for, or it's irresponsible for me to go. Sure. She says, well, you know, it is a tad, but. You know, you just you, you know what you need to do when you come home. So you can get it done when you come home. And so she's she's always very supportive. And basically, even this morning, like I had it all ready to go, and all I had to do was hit purchase. And I'm still texting. She already left. I'm still texting. I'm like 100. percent I should do this, right? And she's like, yes. So anyway, good for you. Hit, hit purchase, and and uh, I'm headed to Texas in the morning. So so what do you? What's the game plan for when you get to Texas? I guess I guess it would be considered. South Texas, fly to Houston, and then head head towards like El Campo. Okay. I, mean, I guess that would be. I'm not. My geography of Texas is not that good, but I, I, I'm going to call that South Texas. I guess. Sounds good to me. So what? Uh, what do? You, where are you going to be hunting? What are you going to be hunting out of? Are there going to be dogs? Just. Just. Um. I, you, do you want me to mention like brands and companies? Can you say that again? Sorry. I said, you want, you want me to mention brands and companies? That's fine. I, I just didn't okay. know, like, are you going to be hunting out of a pit blind? Are you going to be hunting out of I, boats or timber? Like, you know, you paint, know, paint me a picture. I, I, I think it's more of a, it's supposedly, supposedly it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a large piece of property. Supposedly this, this, uh, the lodge has, like, 20,000 acres attached to it. And, and the pictures, I've seen a couple pictures today, and it just looks like it's kind of like, um, like marsh, you know, kind of. You know, kind of cattails, um, like potholes. Uh, it looks flat. Um, the picture, the picture that I saw, it didn't see you know, many trees or anything. It just looks like it's. You know, I guess kind of. I guess it would be kind of kind of considered that Prairie Coast region, like Bay 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 City or Bay Prairie that in that area. Okay. So I guess it's not not salt marsh, but I guess it's you know you're close enough to the water that that it you know kind of has that salt water influence to it. So, um, at least that's the way the pictures looked, and and I didn't. You know, I asked a bunch of questions about just more logistics of, of how and what and how and what and that kind of stuff. I didn't really didn't really ask. Um, evidently, there's a lot of teal there, but I didn't really ask exactly how we'll, how we're hunting. But I guess, like I said, I was getting pictures sent to me today. Yeah. So it looked it, it looked promising. So yeah, show up and have a good time. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. So uh, are we going to be able to follow that along on Instagram? Yeah. So actually, I was thinking about just doing a quick little. Again, Karen's home. I was just going to do a quick little main feed where I say something, you know, to the effect of, you know, bags are packed. Phone call last night. Bags are packed. I'm headed to Texas tomorrow, so that's great. Along. I think probably just, I'll, I'll put some pictures on the on the main feed for sure, but just you know, just really load uh, load the Instagram stories up and try to do a nice you know, day by day by day there. So uh, hunt Friday, Saturday, hunt Sunday morning early, and then head head back to Maryland. Oh, that's great. So I, I got a question. So, you know, you, you've been guiding for a really long time. What's it like to kind of be on the flip side of that where you're going to this lodge and you're going to be more of like a, more of a guest, I guess. I tell you over the years, especially with like a lot of the filming that we've done early on, I've, I've really learned a lot from the perspective of, Hey, that's a great idea. I need to, I need to take that and implement that into what I do and or, Oh my goodness, man! I, I can't believe they just did that. That's that's like, you know, 
that's horrible. I can't, you know, like, I, you know, it's not that I would do that, but like, I definitely need to stay away from that. That's that's not. I don't need to get myself in that situation. You know, the, the guide to the guide to the guest or guide to the client thing. So, I, over the years of doing it, I, I had done quite a few guided hunts. Um, and it's it's if anything, like I said early on, especially, it just really kind of helped me. If you want to say, you know, become a better guy, I, I think I don't. You know, I guess I'm I'm saying I'm I'm a good guide or I'm a better guy than what I was, but I think I've definitely learned from going to different places and seeing how seeing how people handle themselves. And I mean, ultimately, this is, it's a service business. So, you know, as you guys, as you guys, I guess you do. I mean, I I, I didn't even have a gun in the boat. My gun, I, I did not have a gun in our boat. Right. It's about you guys hunting, not me trying to outshoot you or you know, me stand up and go boom, 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 and then turn to you and say, take them kind of thing. And, and that's, I've, I've had that, I had, I've heard stories about that, and I've had that happen when, you know, when I was, especially when I was someplace that they knew that I've never done this before, had seen this kind of experience. And, you know, it was like, I, I don't know, maybe it's just the way I think, but I would rather, you know, I'd rather you guys, even if you're going to miss or whatever, but it's, it, you need, you need to have the first shot. You need to have sure. it. Even if I do have my gun out, you know, a great example with Brand. I said I'd love to shoot Brand on my Brand trips. I, I often will take my gun. You guys shoot your limit, and I'll say, "Hey, do you guys mind if we hang out for a few minutes? And let me shoot my limit." Cool. So it's 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 that kind of thing. I've always I've never shot with anybody, and where I've always allowed, you know, you, the client, the guest, my friends to shoot first, and and you know, it's always. You know, I'm always last, or I don't shoot at all. Well, it's it's a class act move, and it's super professional. And I've hunted with a few guides, and they're banging away. And I, you know, one of them's a, I, I guess, a good friend of mine. And it was mainly he, he. The explanation was like, man, you these guys can't hit a broadside of a barn. So if I pound one and they think they got it, they're on cloud nine. And so I remember sitting in the boat saying, Jeff, why don't you, you can take my gun. You know, we, sh we shot all of ours, you know, and you just said, you know, I'm good. And I forget the reason why you told me, but it was kind of like legally, you just didn't want to get wrapped up in over limits or, yeah. you know, it's just, it's yeah, smart. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I know everybody, you know, people, people, you know, probably 95% of everybody that hunts fun, fun hunts and, you know they can do what they want to do, but it, it's not a boat blind or a, or, or a or a blind blind a blind limit or a boat limit. I mean, it's a personal limit. So even you know, my my I, I never want my limit to come in play because it, it's not it's not in play. So right, you know, I've had guys you know I've had, I've had guys case their guns and pull out a lot of money and say, Jeff, how much to shoot your limit? And I was like, Yeah, I'm good, thanks. No, 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 you, you know, like and, and like almost argue with me. And eventually, I have to say. And they say, no, I don't understand. They don't want to pay me. I was like, no, you don't understand. I've said no to you pretty sternly now three times, and now you're just making this flat out weird. So, right. you know, no, you shot your birds. We're done. We're, we're, you know, you're not shooting my limit. Right, right. It's unethical. It's, 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 yeah, my, unethical. My, my, best, my best story in this is there's a uh, there's official wildlife bragging type page on, online or somewhere. And the fellow from Maryland, he was in Canada guiding and, you know, there's just there's that aspect of it where technically since he's not a Canadian resident and you know he can't you know legally guide, but ev evidently you know it's like a group of five guys and let's say the birds it's the eight bird limit they can shoot 32 birds, he's, he's they were shooting blanks shooting whatever you want to call they were not shooting live shells if you will, 
and and he he shot thirty two geese, and what? they were very proud. They were very proud to, you know, arrest him, find him, and do whatever else to him. But he sat. The guy sat there and shot. It was kind of the same mentality. Like, well, if I don't shoot him, they're not going to shoot him, or they're not going to hit him. And he, no and way. Had, it, it was it was some stupid number. I, I want to say if it was like an eight bird limit, it was five guys or, or whatever it was, but it was a big number of geese. And um, and they weren't, you know, they were they were shooting, they were actively shooting, except they weren't shooting real shells. Right. And so every killed, bird dropped, he killed. He killed, killed, he killed a five man limit of bird of, of Canada geese. Holy cow! Yeah, I mean, I guess if anybody is a guide listening to this podcast, I mean, that's like fair warning to remember that we're sportsmen and we have a code and an ethics and laws to abide by so that we keep a good image and uh you know integrity is key and you you make a mistake like that you're done i mean as, as hunters and hunting if you've hunted enough you know you need one you pull the trigger too far or whatever the situation is there's always going to be there's always going to be that. There's always going to be that. Oops. Or there's always, you know, there's just there just is. If you if you do it long enough, something something's, you know, a little off or a little strange is going to happen to you. But again, I mean, that's just that's pretty egregious. That you know, there's if it's a five or six man limit and and like you know the, the guide basically. Like, it, I guess you could say for a little bit. I mean, I, I've had people argue well, like that's entrapment and that's this that and the other. Well, yeah, but I mean, like when he knew that he shot his. Even if you shot doubles one, like when are you gonna when are you gonna stop shooting? You know, right? Yeah, so, I, you know, it's just it is what it is. But sure, sure. I, I have that often. You know, guys say, hey, "Hey, let's let's shoot your limit, Jeff." And they're like, "No, nah, I'm good, man." But it just never, you know, it just never comes into play. And I guess you know, I just I don't know. I, again, I don't bring a gun, and I like to, I like to shoot I like to shoot. I used to like love to shoot pictures. Now I shoot more video than anything else. And, um, you know, just, I just enjoy going and being, it's not, it's not about me pulling this trigger. It's just, a, I, I, earlier, early on somewhere in the beginning, you talk about the love of outdoors and just being outside. And that's even when it's five degrees out or if it's zero out, it's blowing its rear end off and it's cold. I truly enjoy being outside. That's awesome. So that's, that's what it's, you know, that's, that's awesome. what it is to me or for me. Now, besides this teal hunt in Texas, do you have any other hunts besides your own guide you know, business that you're going to be going on or looking forward to? Yeah, so for uh, for season 10 of Migration Nation, we are going to head to Canada, uh, go to the island of PEI, Prince Edward Island, and uh, we're going to take advantage of a somewhat liberal Canada goose limit there, as well as uh, the black duck limit. It's a, it's a six-bird limit, so we're going we're gonna to try to do that. Uh, it's the one place, we may be early, but it is the one place, I've been up there before to do this, it's the one place on the East Coast that you can consistently shoot Pharaoh's Goldeneye. No so way. If they, if they happen to be there, we're going to try to get ourselves in a nice little Pharaoh's Goldeneye hunt. And then uh, Drake just came out with a, a uh, Drake fishing, a new fishing line of, cool. of apparel and clothing. And we're going to try to try to catch ourselves the 1,000-pound the to 1,200-pound bluefin tuna while we're there. So No way. Um, that'll, be, that'll be in the end of October, and I'm really, really looking forward to that trip. End of October, good for you. That's going to be awesome. And so that's going to be right in the middle of your season, or or just about to kick off. Just it'll just be. I'll, I'll get home and have a couple of days, and then my sea duck season will start November November third that Saturday. Awesome, oh, man. That's incredible. One of my favorite ducks to shoot is a black duck, 
They're just beautiful. And and they'll be they'll be quick to tell you that they have real black ducks up there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Canadians. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you. With Drake's Migration Nation, you've hosted them down, you know, on what Brant hunts too last year. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. Well, the first first year got involved with them. We just kind of stayed here local, and we we did uh, basically the hunt hunt you guys experience. We 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 shot we shot Scoter. I got two nice two nice episodes of Scoter in. Um, the following, which would be for last year, it aired last year. We went to Chickatig, Virginia, and we did uh, the brand. We're not thick there, but we we got we got a decent show for for some brand brand hunting on the saltwater there. Um, this year, the episode has not aired yet. We filmed it last year, but it will air here shortly. Is uh, we went up to uh, Massachusetts and uh, we we tar- targeted and shot eider. Oh, cool. So that was, so that was good. And um, this Brindle boxer, American bully, is getting a little. <laughs> That's all right. Bullied. It's a gun dog um, uh, podcast. We're cool with dogs barking. Yeah, sorry about that. No sweat. So uh, that was that was that will air this year on the Pursuit Channel. And then uh, we hope to get two two strong, you know, two strong waterfowl shows. And then um, Drake just recently went instead of doing the third and the fourth quarter, they went to all fifty two weeks on the Pursuit Channel. So I think the plan will be the fourth quarter and the first quarter will be you know all one hundred percent waterfowl. And then they're going to kind of branch out with the uh, you know the oh, their old Tom Turkey line, their yep. uh, Drake non typical gear line and now the, the performance fishing they're going to come up with uh, some kind of a format where they you know, maybe have these small um these small segments and um I need to get my the inside of my foot on that one i'm sorry that's all um, right <laughs> the uh kind of do kind of break it up and do do like the, the 30 minute show actually 22 and 30 22 minutes 30 second show will be broke up into maybe you know two or three segments so cool um and hopefully you know, the, uh, the, the bluefin tuna will, uh, we're either going to have a tag. We're not sure hundred percent yet to see how it shakes out, but we'll have a tag that we can actually kill one. Or if we don't have a tag, then we can catch and release three. So I'm um, probably for, for the TV show, catching and releasing three would probably be a little bit better than, you know, sure. just one fish that we kill, but, sure. um, maybe a little more impressive to stand next to a thousand thousand pound bluefin, um, on the dock. But, uh, either way, either way, looking forward to doing it. So it should be good. Cool. Well, um, my last question is kind of broad and I want you to dig in as much as you want or as little as you want, but we've got through lone duck, we've got so many people with young dogs and it's almost waterfowl season. What are your major things that you would impart your knowledge of dogs, waterfowl hunting, safety, what are what is a major tip and things that like a pet peeve or like really hammer home on people that you know before you go out this season dial in your dog and this is a captain jeff coats his advice what would you tell people well i would tell you on a young dog if you don't have them dialed in and even if you do have them dialed in that, that this will be very helpful i don't care if it's not your your field hunting your field hunting geese you're in a blind, you're in a boat, and, you know, kind of throw your, I know, I know friends, friends and family can be tough on, on you with, with your, 
with our four-legged friends. But I, I would strongly suggest, I don't care how you do it, a young dog, tie the dog, you know, have the dog tethered. Do not let the dog, especially if you're going to shoot your gun, because I, I think a lot of times with younger dogs, you need to be there more as the handler versus the hunter. Um, and, and, you know, with my younger dogs, again, like I told you, I, I didn't do a whole lot of shooting, so you know, I really was there as the handler, which, you know, is basically just handling the dog, which I handle on the dog and, and handling the dog. Um, my concentration was the dog. So if you're, if you have a younger dog and you want to, you're going to actively shoot, which I can understand everybody wanting to do that, you know, put a corkscrew in the ground. If you're field hunting and, and you know, have a short lead, you know, very short lead on the dog so the dog can't break, so the dog's under control, let all the birds fall, you know, stand up with, you, know, you can unclip your dog, stand up with the dog, pick your birds up, you know, run your march, run your blinds if you're able to do that. And the same, same from a blind, you know, it, even in a boat, just make sure the dog needs to be under control. Yep. And when the dog's under control, the dog is going to be safe. It's going to make you, it's going to make your, again, if you're trying to actively shoot with, with, with your, with your friends and family, it's going to enhance, you know, heighten your experience because you're, you're going to be able to shoot birds and not have to worry about what, what your younger dog is doing. I 100% once, agree. Once everything settles and, and calms down, you know, take your time. Unclip the dog, and even just want to let the dog run wild. After that, let them do it. You know, let them do. It. I would suggest that. But my my main point is that while all the shooting is going on, especially if you're shooting too, just make sure you have your dog under control for its own safety as well as everybody else's safety. And I, I couldn't I agree that, more. That would be my uh, kind of a rambled rambled on there. No, but you're absolutely I right. I would. I highly <laughs> encourage people to not take their gun on the first hunt or two. I mean, yep. it's not easy. We all are fired up to shoot and all that good stuff, but you've got this dog for 12 years, you know, 12 hunting seasons. Number one thing for safety is to have a steady dog. And if, you know, you're greedy on two hunts, you might have a breaking problem for 12 years. But if you do your due yep. diligence and just can have that self-control to leave the gun behind and just use it as a training exercise, that's huge. Agreed. I would also add, and you know, maybe you'd agree or whatever, but I've sent, you know, a lot of people send me pictures, like I'm sure they send you pictures, and they've got like a three-month-old puppy in the duck blind, and I'm a, not a fan of that. The, you know, too many guns going off, dog doesn't know what's going on, and you're really liable to scare a young dog, and I would say to really properly make sure that the dog is old enough, mature enough, trained enough, to be able to handle that kind of excitement and guns going off, really. Yep. Uh, I've had, and I, and I say this, I say this a lot to people when they say, hey, can I bring a dog, can I bring a dog, can I bring a dog? It's, it's, it's what, you know, it's, it's master hunter. It's all, you know, they tell me everything it's accomplished. And I said, look, it's fine. I said, but if, you know, the, the one thing is I don't want it to ruin your, your experience. So, you know, it, this is a totally different experience for the dog. I'm, I'm going to assume you've never shot two ducks before. You're coming to do this. If the dog's not comfortable jumping out of out of the out of my boat, getting back in my boat, you know you you know it's just the way everything is set up. I, I just I don't I hate to tell people no, but I just I just always I I'd rather undersell and over deliver. So what does that mean? I'm I'm going to tell I just tell them like the the worst it can be, and if, if they still want to do it, it works out, and it's on them. If it, if they still bring the dog and it doesn't work out, it's on them. I just I just uh, I've had field champions that would not literally for sea duck hunting that would not swim outside the decoys to get a bird. 
Yeah. And guys just got, I mean, it, it ruined their hunt. And so much so that these are, again, these are AFC, AFC, FC dogs. Right. When they didn't, they knew they should bring something back and they would grab a decoy and start to bring it back. And these guys would just flip a lid. <laughs> and it's just, it's just, you know, I understand everybody wants to, you know, their dog, their dog, their dog. I'm, I'm right with them. But if, 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 it's, if it's a situation and how am I going to, well, how does this relate to somebody that doesn't see that hunt? If it's a situation your dog's not used to, you just got to give them, you got to give the benefit of the doubt and, and just help them and, and make them succeed the situation, whatever the situation is, especially if it's something that they're not used to and they haven't experienced before. You just can't show up and it'll be like me just, okay, you know, I have no training at all, but I'm, I'm going to put a parachute on, I'm going to jump out this plane. Right. So that's not, you know, that's not really going to probably work out the best for me because I have no idea what I'm doing. Don't forget to pull the ripcord. Say the same thing with a dog. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's not the best analogy. No, you're right though. You're right though. It is something they're just truly not. They've never experienced before. How 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 do you think they're going to succeed in this situation? Exactly, and success is what teaches the dog. You know, all the good experiences and success is what really trains a dog. And so, setting your dog up for success is a number one so you know if you're going to hunt out of a pit blind the dog's never hunted out of a pit blind before take your time in the morning and show them how to get in and out of it and make sure they're steady you know so many people just throw their dog in a situation and expect that it's going to know what to do and that's just crazy so i 100 percent agree all right jeff listen we've been rolling for almost an hour you've been amazing tons of cool information great stories now, I know that you've got a little bit of dates available for people, so why don't you tell them, A, how to find you on social media, your YouTube channel, and B, what dates you have available so that if they're interested in having a ridiculously awesome sea duck hunt off of Ocean City, Maryland, how they can get a hold of you. Yeah, well, thank you very much. As far as, uh, as, far as online goes, man, I love social media, so pretty much like Instagram, at Pitboss, P-I-T-B-O-S-S, Waterfowl. Um, it's the same thing, you know, youtube.com forward slash, you know, either Pitboss Waterfowl or Jeff Coates, C-O-A-T-S. Um, if, you, if you Google Jeff Coates on Google, I'm going to probably be, you know, I've got so much stuff out there. I'm going to you know, be, be in that in that top group just, just with my name. Um, but I'm just easy, easy to find. My, my, my phone's always on. And, um, you know, I answer most recently, but just answering a lot of, a lot of messages and text messages or, or Instagram messages about carving, you know, how and how and how, and I always try to make sure that I answer everybody. Sometimes I, I miss one or two in there, but I do my very best to you know, make sure that I answer everybody. Even, even if they're short answers, I, I really try to make sure that I you know, acknowledge everybody that, that uh, asks questions. I truly I say it often, but, man, I, I just appreciate everybody following along with what we do. So Yeah. Well, um, you do an awesome job. Over the years. Yeah, you do an awesome job. Kevin and myself and our friends Jack and Kevin had – just a really, really special time last year. A lot of laughs. Incredible soup. You're known for your signature soups. <laughs> I mean, that was, I think I had more than I was allowed. I, I don't know how many bowls I ate, but it was delicious. And you just, you're a class act. You're a fun guy to be around. And I would highly encourage anybody that has ever thought they wanted to do this. There's only one person I would recommend, and it would be you. And, you know, it's a short season, so they shouldn't wait to give you a ring or shoot you a message on Instagram. So Jeff, I appreciate everything. You know, if you and Karen want a dog sometime in the future, I hope you think of us and, uh, 
man, stay well, fly safe to Texas, shoot us some teal, send some pictures, and man, enjoy it. Thank you so much for everything. And uh, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, man, it's a pleasure being on. It's very nice of you both thought of me to have you come on. Thank you very much. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed for the kind things that you say. So <laughs> thank you very much. No, nah, you did awesome. And now, can you give me a thinking of you we are? Thinking of you, we are. Yes. On this, <laughs> I have to stop and think what, what day of the week it is on this Wednesday evening. You're the man. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Stay well, and we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. All right, guys. Be safe. Thank you again. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Hey, do me a solid. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our Instagram, if we've helped you at all, join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. If you do it before September of 2023, you're going to enter to win a hunt with me and Kevin and a bunch of other Patreon members down in Missouri. We're going to smack some ducks, have some fun, do a seminar with our dogs, and have a great time. But jump into patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. Links in the description and join the community that helps me help you help your dog. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today.